Well, welcome back, everybody, to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shannick. And I'm Corey. And we are so thankful that you're tuning in today, wherever you are. I also want to say I'm so encouraged right now because I just read three reviews left over the last week, and I'm like pumped up right now. So whoever that was that sent in a review this this past week, thank you so much. Yeah, Man, it's so much encouragement. How do you set a review? Yeah, you just go to Apple Podcasts, go down leave a review, click on it. You can also rate us from one to five stars. If you would do that as well, that would be amazing. But also wherever you listen to this podcast, if it's not Apple, if it's Spotify, Buzzsprout, another avenue, if you could do us a favor and actually um, share this podcast with a friend and it it creates great conversation. I know for me, uh, just in the last week, I've texted this podcast to two different uh, people And they've reached out, they've had questions, we've been able to dialogue, and that's what we hope happens for you. Because we don't just want to be two pastors or two dudes just spitting out a bunch of information for you to just hear. We want you to think about it. We want you to dive in. We want you to study. We want you to be having conversations on this stuff because that is how you grow. Definitely, yeah. We never want to be the type of dudes that are just dogmatic and tell you what we believe. Granted, we get to control what we talk about on our own podcast but it's stuff that we've studied, but we're down to have conversations. We love all of that feedback that we've heard. Uh, we, I've, I've been challenged on several things from several episodes in the back that were good things, uh, but mostly we hear people being like, oh my gosh, I, I've yeah. never thought about it this way. Yeah, what's so cool is that I have a friend that he doesn't subscribe to our podcast. I wish he would, but he'll send me text and say, hey, send me your latest podcast. Mm-hmm. And the only reason, and he's only done this like three times, but the only reason is people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then they talk to him about it. And he's like, okay, I got to find out what they're actually talking about. So, yeah. hey, send me that podcast so I can see what controversy you guys are getting into <laughs> and sparking right now. Oh my goodness. But uh, anyway. So this week's question of the week yeah, let's have is it. from our man, Joel. He's listening. He actually had a question and the reason why he wants this question is because he wants me to tell a story. So I'm going to ask okay. you your the ask question me first, first, and then you can. So, tell question your story. of the week is your least favorite condiment and why? I'll have to think a little bit on the why, but I know immediately it's relish. <laughs> it's relish. <laughs> I I hate relish. Why Why is that even a thing? Now, yeah. what's crazy is I love pickles on things. I love jalapenos. But whatever, I don't even know what relish is. If they call it pickle relish, but it's not pickles. I think it's pickles. Right? <laughs> I mean, it might be pickles, but it don't taste like pickles. <laughs> so relish, what? because it's like so confusing. That's that's the why. It's confusing. It, it, it says pickle relish. What are we relish. talking about right now? Our worst, our <laughs> least favorite condiment. I, I, it was a rhetorical question. Oh, but no, because it. <laughs> It says pickle relish, but you put it on something, and since it doesn't taste like like a dill pickle, <laughs> since it doesn't taste like I'm that, I'm like <laughs> so thrown off. That's my why. Anyway, I, you tell I, your story. You've never felt fallen for one of my rhetorical questions, and then you're like, oh, because it was the question of the week. <laughs> I'm making funny. All right, you guys ready for this? If you're listening this far into our podcast, I hate the condiment mayo, and here's why. And this is why Joel wanted me to tell this story. He's like, I can't believe you've had almost a hundred episodes or whatever episodes and you've never told your Mayo story. I dated this girl from St. Louis, St. Louis in college and she loved Mayo. When I think about this girl, all I think about is Mayo. She would dip her fries in Mayo. Mm. Uh, Everything was put with Mayo. It's just so disgusting. But the worst part about it is when she would eat she would get the mayo stuck in the crevices <laughs> of her mouth. So you just see this white mayo in, in, oh, I'm gagging. 
anyways, no, I go to visit the her. Story. I go to visit her. It's the summer of right after my freshman year of college. We only dated for like three months. Um, I go to St. Louis. She, we, we're going to this. Car- she takes me to this carnival. She talks about how she loves carnivals, iron stomach, all this thing. She has a ham and mayo sandwich. And when I say mayo, I'm not saying like just spread on. Like yeah, it's it's yeah. thick. H- however much ham was on the sandwich is how much mayo was on the sandwich. And so she eats this ham. I'm disgusted already. <laughs> all right. And if she ever were to listen to this podcast, well, I broke up with her because of this. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't get over it. Yeah, I lied. It was like uh, it's it's not you. Because it's she me. just like clumped it on there. It, it mayo was, on a little bit of ham. It's not just the mayo. It's just how she ate. And uh, it, I'm getting sick. Okay. Finish. Anyways, the story. so long story short, we we go on this one ride. I think it was like called the scrambler. So you know what it is. Like there's three different axes of of it spinning. So like the cage is spinning, mm, yeah. the ride is spinning, and the the whole thing. So there's like, like three different around here. It's like gravitron. I think sure. that's what it's called. Sure. I think yeah. And so. I'm looking at her as we're in this ride, like we're in the cage together. I'm like, you don't look too good right now. As soon, no joke, it actually is a hilarious story, but as soon as the dude opens up the cage to let us out, she projectile vomits on him. Mm. And when I say projectile vomit, I mean like he looked at us like he was going to cry. He is covered in her vomit. I am like holding my nose because it smells so bad. There's chunks of mayo. I'm like, this is disgusting. So like we get her off the ride. I'm like, I took off my shirt. So like wipe her up. We see this guy like 20 minutes later, the guy from the ride coming back with a huge bucket of water. Just so sad trying to clean off the ride. They had to shut down the ride and everything. So I get that that happens. That's not what grossed me out the most. We get home. She showers, gets ready, comes down. It's like, man, I'm so hungry. Eats another ham and mayo <laughs> sandwich. Dude, I was so <laughs> disgusted. I was like, this that, is not happening. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we broke up like a week later. That is such a good story. It, and for those of you listening with a weak stomach, I apologize. I so don't. if you're driving in your car and you're like dry heaving right now, I'm sorry. I don't apologize. Yeah, so I've never, like mayo... It's not that it grossed me out. It's just I had a really bad experience with it. So now that people know that, when I get on people's nerves, they try to prank me with mayo. Let This last summer, Tracy Baird. Oh, yeah. I was getting ready to bring that up. Tracy, Tracy Baird. She's I'm always asking me what she can last do with name. mayo. I, I, Tracy Libby Stumler, too. Yeah, she we, wants to prank you with mayo. But Libby's never done it. Tracy <laughs> actually have uh, has. I, w- I was making fun of her, and she, from behind, fish-hooked me with mayo in on her fingers. Got it right in my mouth, dude. I went right to the sink. I was dry heaving. It was awful. That is a beautiful thing. The best part about it is Tracy felt bad and texted me like seven times telling me how bad she felt. So the prankster got pranked with her own guilt. Anyway, let's move on. So today I'd like to dive into a topic that is going to continue in our cow tipping series. Last month we spent four weeks just knocking over some sacred cows in the church and As we got into the month, we realized that there's been a few other things that has been brought to our attention or that we've heard in a message. And we just want to address a couple of those things. So we're going to extend that series for two more weeks. And today we actually want to knock over the sacred cow and the idea that the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin. So let's talk about it. Yeah, this is a very interesting conversation because... Uh, in my upbringing in the church and in education, I went to a, a Bible college. This is a common thing that is just said, but it's never really critically thought about. Like we did a, 
an episode just a couple of weeks ago on the enemy is out to get me and kind of knocking over that cow. But if you do still believe in a spiritual entity uh, uh, of called an enemy, then that role is very similar to your role of the Holy Spirit if you think the Holy Spirit's job is to convict you of sin. And here's what always rattled me. Even in Bible college, I started asking this question and people didn't have responses for it. Is I would ask the question is, why would the Holy Spirit be convicting believers of sin if sin was taken care of on the cross? That's like the, the thought that I was like, wow, I've had professors go, hmm, interesting. Right. Because we believe that sin was dealt with and Jesus obliterated it. Judgment dealt with. So then why would the Holy Spirit be convicting me of something that was dealt with? Maybe we don't understand fully the role of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we go to John 16. John 16 is the only place where the word uh, convict and Holy Spirit is in the same sentence. However, it's gotten changed recently in the most updated NIV version. Um, before, I think, what was the most updated NIV version? 2020, 2020. or 2021? Mm-hmm. Before that, you would see the word convict. It's a terrible translation. And in John 16, we see Jesus telling his disciples that he had to go so that the Holy Spirit could come and dwell within them. And according to John 16, the Holy Spirit is, what's his role? A counselor, a helper, a comforter, an advocate. He guides us into all truth, John 16, 13. Other places in Romans 8, Romans 8, 26, he prays on our behalf, Romans 8, 16. He testifies to us concerning our identity as children of the living God. So where did we get this idea that he convicts? Well, it's found in John 16, 8. Again, in the updated versions have fixed this. It's the only place where this word is used, and it actually gets translated. What's the new translation? They use the, the word. The new translation is the word prove. To prove. And that's, in the original Greek, it either means prove or convince. convince. And that changes the whole definition, because the Holy Spirit's job isn't to prove or to convict us of sin. The Holy Spirit's job is to prove or convince us of our righteousness. If you yep. actually go in and read the, the portion of scripture is talking about, are you going to, do you have Yeah, well, because the actual verse says when he comes, that is the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. <laughs> and so he's proving how by convincing us of our identity and who we are, convincing us that he actually, Jesus paid the price for sin, that it has been dealt with. He actually also proves our righteousness in that we are now righteous in Christ before God, our Father, and that the judgment is actually mercy shown to us, not some type of negative judgment, which we've talked about. There are actually good judgments, and maybe this is what he actually proves the world to be in wrong of, that we kind of get it wrong when it comes to sin, righteousness, and judgment. We don't think we're worthy, but Jesus says, no, you actually are. And the Holy Spirit proves to us and convinces us of our identity that we are worthy. It, that's amazing. So I learned this like eight years ago. I actually wrote about it in my book, Jailbreak, that I released in 2016. So it's been a long jersey, journey of us. And I, I tend to stay quiet when people talk about it because it's used so flippantly in conversations. Oh, the Holy Spirit's just convicting us. But his job is not to convict us of sin. His job is to convince us of our righteousness because of Christ. And that is life-changing, in my opinion. So when we are tempted with sin, the Holy Spirit within us is there to convince us that we're better 
than sin because we have Jesus. The Holy Spirit is there to remind us of our champion, to remind us that we are righteous. We don't need moments of pleasure to satisfy us because we're satisfied fully in Christ. And and it's amazing when you get this revelation. It really is. Yeah, it really is. And and I know and maybe see why the church continues to hold on to this, but we have to change our perspective slightly because if we see it as now convincing us of our righteousness whenever we possibly as a son or son or daughter of God when we actually do something contrary to what he would want us to do in being responsible to establish his kingdom on here on earth, the Holy Spirit may come and then convince us, no, you're better than that. Hey, remember who you are, right? It's Lion the Lion King. King. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, Simba. That was amazing. Remember who you are. And so that is what we're talking about. Like yep. not necessarily getting us to a place, oh, I'm convicted of sin. I feel bad and I'm worthless and you know, woe is me. No, you're better than how you're acting right now. Remember that you're a son of God. So start living like it, start acting like it, pick yourself up and walk forward confidently. Yeah. Cause when you fall, you don't fall from the cross. You fall towards it. Jesus doesn't want your sin. He took it 2000 years ago. Actually your sin killed him and you are the redeemed righteousness of Christ. It's time that the church, the specifically the American church, wake up to the reality that the Holy Spirit isn't convicting you of sin. The Holy Spirit isn't there to make you feel guilty. That's not the role of the Holy Spirit. He's a comforter. He's an advocate. He's He only speaks good things over you. And what is he doing in your life? He's reminding you of who you are, who you will be, and who you have always been. And that is really, really good news. And so, the question that we often get asked then, if the Holy Spirit's job isn't to convict us, and we already talked about some of the titles that the Holy Spirit jobs, we have to explain what the role of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit actually is then. You did a whole teaching on this where I actually ripped those notes. I think, how long ago was that? Two, three years ago? We did a sermon series ago. in church called Spooked around October. You know, we tied in and talked about the role of the Holy Spirit. And you get this role from John 16, 7, again, what we just unpacked, but there are five key components on who the spirit is and how he operates. They actually all start with the word C or the letter C because that is how you roll. And so let's unpack these real quick for people. Yeah, absolutely. But real quick, before we unpack them, I do want to just insert here that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we got to realize how amazing life in the spirit actually is. Yeah. And when you think about um, our relationship with Jesus, which is amazing, he's alive in us. But Jesus himself said it's better that he go so that the helper, the Holy Spirit could come. And so I know so many people are like, man, if I could just have Jesus with me in this moment, if Jesus was just here, he could heal this dude. If Jesus was here, he could turn that, you know, water to wine and we can throw down and have a party. But in reality, Jesus says it's better that he's not here. And so, so many believers now are walking around not realizing that truth, that the Holy Spirit is alive in you. And so it is actually a good thing and a better thing that the Holy Spirit's with you rather than thinking of, oh, well, Jesus is with me, and he is, mm-hmm. but by his spirit. But yeah. oh, as we, um, go ahead. Because the reality is, is even as pastors, one of our biggest frustrations is when people are like, I just need a pastor to pray for us. Or, I, I need a pastor's advice. And and we're here to pray, and we're here to give advice. But we really want to get to this place where we empower you to recognize that we're not, uh, oh, okay, I'm going to side note here, because I was I was at a thing this morning. I'm going to finish that thought. But yeah, no worries. The, the guy was introduced as a man of God. Oh, here's our speaker. He's a man of God. And I, I hope that every single person on this planet recognizes that they too are a man of God or a woman of God. 
because there's nothing special about us communicators or pastors or preachers. We have the same access to God as you do. We have the same power that you have. And so I want to help empower people to recognize that you don't need a pastor, so to speak. Now, again, we are here for you because we believe in community and empowerment, but we want to get you to a revelation of recognizing that you have the same access and the same power and that you are an incredible man or woman of God. Yeah, love that. Sorry, I was just a little no, tad bit. I love that. So if the Holy Spirit then does not convict, let's talk about five roles that the Spirit does have. And again, all of these start with C, so hopefully they are memorable for you. Um, but we'll just start in the very beginning, and this is how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit, that he is, number one, our comforter. Mm -hmm. And he actually, according to Romans 15, he gives us hope in hopeless circumstances. So when you find yourself in crazy seasons or you find yourself facing death or whatever else life throws at you, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you, mm -hmm. to give you a hope. And that, what is that hope? Knowing that he's with you, that he'll never leave you, that his promises towards you, that you can overcome the things you're facing, that you can have peace that passes understanding. All of those things are provided for us. And again, are reminded to us by the Holy Spirit in our life. So that's the first thing that the Holy Spirit does. He is our comforter. And maybe right now you're in a season that you need that and you need to be comforted in this moment and whatever it's going through with kids and your job, Look, it's called life and I get it. I go through it. I got so much going on in my life where it's a little bit crazy right now. Um, many of you have heard this. Uh, I think we've shared this on the podcast with my son, Isaac, towards ACL. We had surgery um, a couple weeks ago. He's on that road to recovery and he was told he won't even be able to participate in his fall soccer season and I'm feeling that and then I was driving his car because he can't drive now even though he got his license because he's in a cast or a brace and I'm driving his car his car catches fire and so much crazy stuff going on and I just feel out of sorts and I'm just like man I just need some like peace and I just need some comfort right now in this moment and I just ask the spirit for that mm -hmm. and I want you to know that you can do that as well yeah. you don't have it because maybe you're not asking it he's wanting to provide he's there to provide for you um, but you need to lean into it. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick yeah. because I know some of our listeners are like, okay, that's great. So then how in that moment can you share practically did the spirit comfort you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't something like, oh, yeah. I just, you know, prayed it and I just instantly felt it, felt it. But for me, um, so I do have a reminder every day at two o'clock to yeah. just pause. And in this moment when I'm asking for it, I was reminded, well, why are you letting your mind race? That was my first thought. Hmm. So then I'm thinking, okay, I start thinking of the five or six things that are really like wrong right now in my life. And then I start thinking, well, how big of a deal is this really? Is this something in six months after these things are taken care of, are you going to still have to be carrying? Are, is there some freedom for you? Is there some peace for you in this moment or, you know, or what? And so for me, very practically, I just started to think through those things and then I'm getting resolution in my mind and getting peace. Every situation or circumstance I bring up, I instantly just get a peace over that situation. And I'm trying, now look, I'm still bringing it up now. Yeah. So obviously it's still affecting me a little bit, but, but in, the in the process. But then the second thing I would say, it's super important to actually let someone in to that process because I feel like, right, if, if every person is indwelled by the Holy Spirit, if you need comfort, 
how is that comfort going to come? Most of the time it comes from people in your life that also have the spirit that can speak in you, that can give you encouragement, that can come alongside, that can carry your burden too. So it's not just some magical, spooky ghost spirit in the yep. sky. It's actually done through people that God has placed in your life as that role that the Holy Spirit leads them to help you. Yeah. Just like he does for you to help them. That's why I asked that question is because I, I didn't want to just, I thought, I thought you did a really good job of explaining that because you can say, okay, the Holy Spirit comforts us, but okay, so you prayed, Holy Spirit, help me. And then what happened? You got practical and you took captive every thought and made them obedient to Christ. And it's like, that's, that's how the Sp Holy Spirit operates in your life. It's you, okay, Jesus, help me focus, right? Hel Holy Spirit, help me remind myself about the truth. And guess what? You'll start thinking about those things that you can align yourself to the righteousness of Christ and remind yourself of who you are. And then, yeah, get those people around you that are in your corner to help. You know, they have the spirit of God in them too. They can encourage you. They can support you. They can, yeah. hey, grieve with you. I'm going to give you one more practical thing too, because this yeah. actually just happened last week. Last Friday, um, had to make um, just a call on a situation going on, and I was feeling it physically um, in turmoil a little bit, and, and you experienced me this way. And I just had to get out. I went home and um, was on my lunch break and just feeling out of sorts. And I'm just like, man, I just need like some peace in this moment. I, I need comforted in this moment. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm just going to go try to take a nap. Hmm. And I did. And um, not long, like 30 minutes, but it was enough to just release some of that anxiety and that weight I was feeling. And then not that it fully removed everything, but I was able to like that night we had our staff over, we had our team night. I was able to participate, lead, you know, help out around the house and it was a good time. And so, so you're saying so, one of the most spiritual things you could do is take a nap. I mean, did we not already say that? Did I, I not already preach that with the bed in the boat? I love like it. sometimes you just have to rest. And sometimes that isn't just an emotional rest or exhaling, but it's actually laying down and getting some proper rest and sleep physically. Anyway. So if he's a comforter, number two, he's a counselor. Just like we, we said, he gives advice, guidance, directions. He will teach you all things according to John 14, 26. And again, that comes in forms of like having good people in your corner. I think of like Muhammad Ali. He had four people in his corner at every fight, his trainer, his doctor. Uh, there are a couple other guys. I, I can't remember. I just read a whole documentary, uh, read a whole uh, thing on it. And it was awesome. Like Muhammad Ali was successful because he had four people in his corner helping him along uh, behind the scenes. You only saw him for his rounds that, that he was nationally televised for, but you weren't there the 364 other days, yeah. but his guys were. And it's like, man, you have to have these people in your life because that's how the Holy Spirit operates. He's, he's someone that, that gives guidance, but it's not the guidance of people who don't know you and don't have a voice in your life. He, he gives direction. He gives advice. He, uh, yeah, that's how he rolls. He's a counselor. Yeah. yeah. And again, right. There's the, the proverb that says there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors yeah. or really, I always butcher that because it's actually not wisdom. The yeah. actual word is their safety. Sorry. Safety. So there's safety, safety in the, in the uh, multitude of counselors in your life. And as you get that counsel from multiple people, then just confirm it with the spirit mm -hmm. and, and go that way. But yep. then the third thing, so if it's comforter counselor, the third thing is the Holy spirit is a conductor. And I kind of put this in there uh, because if you think about a conductor in an orchestra or a mm -hmm. symphony, right, they're there to keep tempo, to keep the rhythm, um, to cue when things come in, you know, whether they're vocals or instruments, whatever, so that it can be this beautiful arrangement that is put together. I love that illustration. And the conductor uh, in his role, the Holy Spirit has in our life, 
I think, you know, there's the verse that we spent a lot of time on in unforced rhythms of grace. Mm -hmm. And that's when we come alongside Jesus, when we rest in him. But how we rest in him is to live a life following after the spirit because it's, it's a life of trust. Right. And, and really, I, what I really think and believe in this is that we can have a, um, well, we also went through at the beginning of the year, like the, um, the, un, the what, what was it? The John Mark Comer book, mm-hmm. um, the ruthless, ruthless elimination, elimination of wow, hurry. We almost had yeah. a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that rushed pace, are, yeah. are we living at such a rush, rush pace where our tempo isn't slow enough to have margin enough to hear from the spirit? Are we filling it with too much stuff, clutter, whatever? that we're out of sync and out of rhythm in tune with the spirit. And then the, in the spirit just right. He's not going to, he, I think uh, one place the spirit's also called a, um, a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And so he's not going to force us to do anything we don't want to do, but it's that subtle, you know, hint, Hey, you're, you're getting out of pace. You're, you're going, you're living too fast, or it can sometimes be the opposite. Hey, you're kind of sitting around the world needs you. Your community needs you. Yeah. Who are you going to be loving on today? Get out there. Let's do it. And so I think either way, but he keeps us on pace. That's why I put that in there. Not to put you on the spot, but I don't think that's an actual Bible verse that he's a gentleman. We've used it before, and I think I've looked it up and couldn't find it. Well, maybe not. It might be one of those misquotes. <laughs> Anyways, number four, he's a connector. Uh, the Holy Spirit unifies, never divides. So when you operate in a spirit of division, you're not operating in the spirit at all. And so... Yeah, this is Ephesians 4, 3 through 6, Ephesians 4, 29 through 30. Um, the Holy Spirit is a connector. He's a unifier. He does not cause division or dissension or any of that way. And that's what he's got for number four. Number five is lastly, yeah. number what five, we've been talking about. Yeah, that today. he's a convincer. A convincer. Yeah, yep. not a convictor, but to prove with compelling evidence of your righteousness, he convinces you of who you are. And that is again, according to John 16, eight. Yeah. And John 15, 26 is he testifies about Jesus. So when we know who he is, we know who we are. And we, we quote that we quoted Peter Hyatt uh, a couple of weeks ago. When we talk about Jesus does not save us from the judgment of God. Jesus is the judgment of God to save because he's convincing us of who we are, who we've always been and who we will always be because of Jesus Christ. And so these are five things that the spirit are or is, however, yeah. what the proper English is there. And here's what I want to challenge us as we close, is we have the Spirit in us, so we should be operating in these ways as well. We should be comforters, we should be counselors, we should be conductors, we should be connectors, and we should be convincers of who people are because of Christ. Yeah, and I think it was Paul, he said this, and this is what I'd like to leave you with. He said, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. Yeah. So remember that, have trust in that, and step out in faith and follow uh, what he's leading you to do. Yeah, so stop accusing the Holy Spirit of convicting you of sin. It's not his role. It's not what he does. He convinces you that you are the righteousness of God. And with that, you're loved, and there's nothing you can do about it.